1: It is a Thursday, and you know what that means on the Blogging the Boys podcast network powered by our friends at SB Nation. It's time for another episode of Riled Up on the Cowboys featuring my man Tom Ryle at Tom BTB on Twitter and myself, Roy White, at RW3. You can follow us both, interact with the show, and make sure you subscribe to the podcast and get your fill of all the Blogging the Boys podcasts going down this week. And again, Tom, what week in... A couple weeks out of training camp, and we actually finally got some news about that. Dates, specifically for when the Cowboys will be out in California, and it looks like things are going to kick off with a morning practice on Thursday, July 22nd. It is a training camp that will be open to the public again, so another return to normalcy, although there are going to be several aspects of this that still are not the norm for what we would expect from training camp, you're going to be out there for a couple of days. So first, give me your impressions. Uh, How has the planning come now that you've finally gotten the dates for when things will be kicking off? And and what are your plans in terms of uh, covering the team and America's team out there?
0: Well, uh, I'm real excited about this. This is literally one of those bucket list things uh, where I finally have had things come together and, you know, due to some stuff in my life that have now made it where i i am not kept from going out there and so uh, i'm i'm planning to be there i believe the 31st of august through the second or third of july for actual attendance um
1: 31st of July through the second or third of August, I think you meant there, but I'm with that's
0: you. quite likely. I will note that we're actually recording very early in the morning rather than the previous night. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I may be awake. That doesn't mean I'm conscious right now. So uh, but we, uh, yeah, it's, it's going to be July through August. I'll be there. Um, and uh, I've already spoken with um uh, uh Dan Rogers, uh, who a lot of people will know from Blogging the Boys, uh, and uh, Rabble Rouser, who also is an old Blogging the Boys alum, and we're planning on being, that's just a couple of people I plan to meet up with out there, and uh, it's it's really, it's going to be fun to actually get there and see the practices, kind of get a, a, a feel, hopefully, for where people are really lining up. Um, especially on defenses we're gonna talk about a little bit because uh it's it's something that you can actually you can't pick up from coverage sometimes because people might not be looking at the same thing. But now yeah uh, assu- assuming they don't run the whole camp in blank jerseys, which I would not put it past Mike McCarthy to pull something weird like that, like he did with his one practice last year. Um I think that we will. Uh, I think that I'll get a chance for, for trying to piece together some bits of the puzzle. Uh, hopefully, I'll be able to get a little content. We'll have to figure out what we need to do about recording um, an episode that week. Uh, but, yeah. Yeah. It's, forget it's, about it's, that.
1: I think one of the, the parts that will be, you know, interesting to see how guys like yourself are going to manage it is that the, number of jerseys that will be different not as many as most teams but it's certainly no longer going to be as easy as oh he's in the mid 70s he must be an offensive or defensive lineman he's in the teens he must be a wide receiver no uh you're gonna see a linebacker around (laughs) those numbers you're uh you're you're gonna see a a wide receiver with uh kicking numbers out there um you're gonna see a couple of other items that uh You know, I'll have to take some getting used to. So I'm very excited about that. I did want to talk, though, about how I actually think this is still going to be a little bit different. Now, returning to the norm, back out in Oxnard, open to fans, media is going to be out there as well. So we'll get tons of coverage and Blogging the Boys will have you covered from wall to wall of the Cowboys training camp. But there's going to be an aspect of it that I think is going to come into play and that fans are going to be disappointed about. And that is the fact that the availability and access to players and coaches that is typically had after these practices and for those that have never been out there never seen kind of how it works the practice winds down and as players walk back to the area where they ultimately head to the locker room there is a time frame where media folks right announcers broadcasters print folks have an opportunity to step out onto the field and grab an individual they would like to speak with whether it be a player, a rookie, a veteran, a coach, you know, uh, a personnel guy, just someone to get some insight from about what they saw that day. Unfortunately, that does not sound like that's going to be the way that it goes this year. Now, there will still be in-person interviews, and there will still be players answering questions after practice, but in a more formal setting, when they are surrounded by multiple microphones, multiple media members, right, right? It is much more difficult to get these guys to be candid about what is actually happening when they're under the pressure of the lights and knowing that they're speaking to a broad audience. It was very easy when we were in morning radio to get a guy to kind of loosen his guard by asking him some fun, goofy questions, questions of which really would not be respectable questions to be asked at a press conference (laughs) featuring... 10, 20, 30 different media members because everybody wants to get in their questions. But in those one-on-one opportunities, if you could get a guy's guard down, you could get some really insightful and interesting information. And I fear, again, this may be me projecting here, but I fear that that opportunity is not going to be as readily available this offseason. And we are going to have to rely on while. You know, I think you mentioned it, what people see with their eyes is going to be very important. And how we see players lining up is going to give us some insight. But I wonder if we're going to be lacking in the areas of nuance, in the areas of detail that might have been provided in years past. Not to mention the fact that it's an entirely different regime. And we have not seen a different regime operate out at Oxnard for training camp In over a decade, Tom.
0: Yeah, it's there's a lot there. There are a lot of things that I think I'm going to have to actually get out there and get into it before I even realize what are the things that can be learned and stuff. Now, you know, I'm not a credentialed member of the media, so I'm not going to have a shot at getting directly to the the players and coaches, but
1: you need to reach out to old Joe Trahan and see about that. might be yeah, to,
0: we, yeah. We, yeah well okay if, if you were to get me a credential i have i will have to have your child um so but uh, the other thing that i'm really looking forward to is the uh the informal intelligence gathering that happens after practices uh as in there's a couple of uh the you know major media figures you know names that everybody knows that it's kind of well known that if you go out and buy them a couple of drinks, you start finding out a whole lot of stuff that isn't really out there in the, uh, the general thing that they can you know, clue you in on some inside stuff. And it's not just about what's happening right now. You find out some fascinating things about the past and uh, some of the uh, media legends in Dallas. Mm -hmm. So there's a whole lot of stuff. I don't know how much I'll be able to incorporate into either the pod or my writing, but it's an experience I've always wanted to have. And, uh, you know, I, I hope it'll make things a little bit richer, you know, on the serious side. Uh, yeah, this is, this is going to be the first time we've seen Mike McCarthy out there. Of course, we've got Dan Quinn, who's entirely new to the Cowboys, uh, so a lot of stuff. It's going to be a, a camp where I think I personally will be focused a lot more on what's going on with the defense because I think I know what's going on with Dak Prescott and Amari Cooper. And, you know, as long as everybody's healthy out there, you know, I, I know what what they've got with the offensive line. So, so I want to see what's happening because the defense is just like, I don't know. And the other thing that's interesting is that the uh, it sounds like the Cowboys are pretty much flirting with 100% vaccination. And right now the NFL is basically doing everything it can short of telling people they will not get paid to uh, get the uh, holdouts to get vaccinated. You know, there's a couple of well-known names, I believe Sam Darnold is one who are very vaccine hesitant. Yeah. And there's a completely different set of rules for people that are vaccinated and people that aren't, you know, literally in the dining facilities for the teams, the non-vaccinated people have to sit over in a little leper colony area, you know, socially distanced
1: stuff. It's funny. I mean, the players haven't yet been put into a place where, hey, you will not be able to do your job effectively if you don't get vaccinated but the coaches damn sure have the assistant coaches are essentially required to get vaccinated. Otherwise they will not be allowed to have in-person communication. They will not be able to have hands-on teaching and training with the players that they're working with. And they won't be allowed to work in the same room with them in regards to film study. So from a coaching perspective, right, it's for the players, it's not yet to the point of, Hey, you, You're not going to be able to survive in this job. Although for every guy that's on the back end of the roster, right? You do think that becomes an easier conversation, right? If you're number 40 through 75 or 80, you've probably been vaccinated already. And if you haven't, it's a terrible decision on your part from a job security standpoint. But I absolutely agree. I think what they're doing is extremely positive. And hopefully it leads to more players being vaccinated because honestly, and I think Tom Brady might have said it, or someone someone in the NFL made this point that it is essentially a a competitive advantage to have your team vaccinated Mm -hmm. because you don't run the risk of, and we're seeing it in another sport as we speak, right? Chris Paul in the NBA playoffs may not be able to go and is out indefinitely because he came down with COVID. And is anybody in their right mind of the opinion that Chris Paul didn't have an opportunity to get the COVID vaccine. He absolutely did. And if he winds up costing his team an opportunity to play in the most important games of some of their lives, that is one that I think will be tough to forgive as great as he has been. And so I could see that same type of scenario playing over to the NFL side of things. Dak, Zeke, I can't imagine those guys have foregone The opportunity to get vaccinated, just because of how entirely focused they seem to be on what the ultimate goal here is is here in Dallas, and that's winning another Super Bowl.
0: Yep. Um, So we're we're gonna see how things get started on that campaign.
1: So Cowboys training camp, going to be out in Oxnard. If you're able to get out there and uh, you know want to say hi to our boy Tom, you now know the dates that he will be out there. Make sure you hit him up on Twitter and, and get involved in that. Still a couple of months away, though, so we've got plenty of time to uh, inspect Cowboys' social media accounts, see what they're up to in this final week before buildup. I would imagine, Tom, we get a couple shots or videos from uh, out at the compound, out at the, uh, the half court, if you will, uh, oh, yeah, Jack Prescott's backyard. I, I can't imagine we'll go four weeks without seeing some kind of work going on out there, even if the video is from, like, two months ago, right? Like, I think at this point the expectation from fans is that, hey, we just need to see something and we'll all be excitable and cheery and
0: yeah, ready wanna, to get I, I want to say something from DeMarcus Lawrence working with Micah Parsons on his pass rush moves.
1: Okay, that's a perfect example of something, that's right? Be and, going uh, on, yes. Tight end you, right? Tight end you, uh, pass rush yeah. you, all these different um, basically player-generated teaching tools. This is kind of the time of the year where these start to take place. So this could also be another aspect that as the years go on, this becomes the next media event during the yeah. dead time, is that we all just cover what's going on at QB camp or pass rush camp. Or DE camp or DT camp or tight end camp, whatever you want to call it. So that'll be really fun. Tight end university uh, coming up here in a couple weeks with George Kittle and all those guys. I think, I think Blake Jarwin is on that list and I'm not Pretty sure. Pretty doing... sure Dalton
0: Schultz is.
1: Okay. It was a Dalton. One of the two tight ends for sure was on the list and uh, we'll see if the other one makes it out. But again, that stuff we'll cover at some point. The other thing I wanted to cover Tom was actually, uh, of course, another article that you put up on Blogging the Boys, Get, getting the conversation started, right? And I think to pull the curtain back just a little bit, for those that don't know, when I was in media previously, when I was in morning radio previously, Blogging the Boys was the content creator. They were the topic starter for many of the Cowboys topics that we came to. And it's because of guys like Tom who – put their minds to work to try to glean a different conversation, a conversation that hasn't been had to the nth degree this offseason. We could talk about Dak Prescott, you know, projections, and we will, right? We could talk about Ezekiel, Elliott's weight, or we could talk about how he looks this offseason, and we will. But for guys like Tom, they take a look at this, this roster, they take a look at what the Cowboys have done, they take a look at the news that's going on at that time, and they bring you something fresh all the time. And in this case, of course, Tom, taking a look at the defensive side of the Cowboys team, you think it's nearly impossible to project the starting defensive unit in 2021. Tell, tell me why, you know, I I wouldn't be able to do that because I'm now going to challenge you on that exercise and see what you think of my starting 11 on that side of the ball.
0: Yeah. Um, well, it, First off, it's kind of the opposite of, of the offense because if everybody's healthy, we can rattle off you should be able to rattle off an, the entire starting offense with the possible caveat that they're saying that that Dalton Schultz may overtake Blake Darwin for the starting job uh, just because he was active last year and Jarwin's and coming back. Um, but the other 10 spots, you know who they want to have starting in every one of them. You know, Jack, you know, Zeke, Amari, uh, Tyron, well, you know everybody. You know where they're going. To, they're expected to line up um, now that they've pretty much committed to Tyler Biotish as the center because he's getting basically all the first team snaps. So that's obviously the plan. Defense. Not only are there a lot of jobs like in the linebacking core where there's some question about who really is going to be, uh, you know, Mike one versus Mike two. Um. I'm not even sure some of the players are actually going to to be playing as in what's their role. And we're going into a lot of new ideas with uh, Dan Quinn's three, four uh, plan, which uh, I think is a good thing because with, with the problems the Cowboys had on with stopping the run, I think a three, four alignment is kind of naturally better at, slowing down the run and getting you into a second down situation that is more favorable for the defense rather than the offense. But, you know, I'm just – I don't know, and I'm not sure how they're going to look at it. Are they going to have – because if you look at who's out there for your first down when you want to make sure they don't run, then your main – a couple of your main pass rushing elements – may not be technically the starter, even though they're going to get more snaps and be more important. So, yeah, I, I, it, it's an interesting thing, and I ran through it. So, yeah, I want to compare notes, see what you came and I'll kind of explain why I might differ from some things.
1: With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change
0: without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness,
1: and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles. We win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Okay. So I went from the standpoint of it is first down. It is first and 10, right? Because I, I agree with you. I understand like third and nine, it might bring an entirely different set. And it's funny um. On that note, right? It seems like this is the evolution to the multiple defensive looks that I think honestly became popularized in terms of media buzzwords, maybe like two years ago in the offseason for the Cowboys, right? Do you remember that offseason where the the, the conversation was about how multiple we were going to be and how, yeah. um, you know, we were really going to be able to match up strength for strength against other teams. The problem was when we tried to do that, we were always matching up a weakness to their strength. And it's like <laughs> any, any way we turned, we were always matching up a weaker part to a strength. Um, so when I look on the defensive line, right, I'll start in the position that I think is the, the one sure thing. That's DeMarcus Lawrence. There's mm-hmm. no doubt that Demarcus Lawrence is going to find his way onto yep. the starting lineup, and and I guess on first down too. Yeah, as you mentioned, because it's a three-four, I might have Brent Urban in a position that's off tackle to potentially like help out with the run. Right now, is he a down lineman? Um, I consider him to be. I don't consider him to be a pass rushing specialist. He's a run stopper is he's certainly not a linebacker but in this scenario right he's kind of listed as one so I suppose I would start with my outside pass rushers as DeMarcus and Randy I would have Urban involved and then you know I need a three tech and in that case uh or or a one tech rather and that's either Tristan Hill never Neville Gallimore I give the nod to Gallimore at this moment because he's healthy but Tristan Hill has, I guess, just as good of an opportunity to, to take that role. How do you see the starting four down linemen, I guess, if you will, in this position kind of beginning things? And whether or not the fourth one is down or not is kind of irrelevant, but I think along that defensive wall, you'll see four um, along the line of scrimmage.
0: Yeah, that was where I really ran into, I guess maybe my first bit of confusion because I was looking at the, uh, the edge result. I don't know that Randy Gregory is going to be out there on first down. I actually think he won't be. I think they're looking at him as soon as they get to a passing down, he comes out. But that way, by not putting him out there when they're worried about having the run defense really on the lookout, they keep Gregory fresher. Uh, and that that was where a, a – Interesting name came up and looking through, uh, it was, uh, Chauncey Goldston because coming out of college, everything was talking about him being an edge or designated pass rusher. Yet apparently he was seen being lined up in a, a three, four defensive end position, which is, you know, in the middle, you know, one of the three guys that are lined up against the offensive line to take on blockers and stop, uh, you know, get the holes clogged up, which, you know, the the glory goes to the linebackers because the idea is that the uh, defensive line ties up the offensive linemen and then the linebackers go through and actually tackle the running back. Um, But, yeah, so I'm not sure exactly how that's going to be. I had talked some time back about the fact that Quentin Bohanna may be a first-down specialist uh, if he's ready to go uh, because he's like 330 pounds. He's a real nose tackle, Uh, was very hard to move in college uh, when uh, they tried to block him. And, uh, you know, I could see him technically being a starter at some point in the season, even though he's really not because – He's only going to be out there for maybe 30, 35% of the snaps. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's, it's very hard to sort out. And and yeah, the that interior of the defensive line is mix and match. I'm not sure who the backups are going to be for uh, uh Gregory and Lawrence in the in the pass rushing. And I didn't even hear you mention uh Osi or, D- or D- Zula.
1: Yeah, there's two I didn't mention, right? Osa <laughs> and and Carlos Watkins, who they signed to be an interior pass rusher. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's there's certainly names, right, and variables, and I guess that's why it speaks to why that perhaps was a very good title of your article, because even as I stand here. Um, I guess under the right circumstances, I could see my projection being the one that pans out. But under slightly different circumstances, yeah, it could go a lot of different ways. And that that in and of it in and of itself is exciting for Cowboys fans. I think um, you know I, they'll probably find a way as well. I know I mentioned Randy and Lawrence, and then you know perhaps Gallimore in the middle, and then Brent urban in there as well in the mix from a run stopping perspective, but that's where you could mix in Bohana um, and still keep Gregory on the field, right. As a designated pass rusher on the outside, Um, that's where you can mix in Watkins or you can mix in Osa to, uh, you know, add those guys into the mix and into the fold on a consistent basis. And maybe more than anything, right on the offensive side, we want to see the weapons get 90% of the snaps, yeah. On the defensive side, they, they probably are best served by keeping a rotating cast of characters and keeping guys fresh outside of, you know, the DeMarcus Lawrence's of, of the world. Um, and maybe yeah. one linebacker that we're going to get to if he
0: proves to be the real deal. Right. And, it, and you, you were talking about uh, <laughs> when people are rotating out. I think Tristan Hill's a guy that could get maybe 60% of the snaps but on passing downs because i think he's better uh trying to pressure uh and and get up get to the quarterback and make him a little uncomfortable than he is digging in and stopping the run so yeah who comes in who goes out and at the moment it's carter say. if i was a you know, forced to make a bet on it, I'd say that Carlos Watkins probably is in one of the shakiest positions as far as sticking with the team. So now having said that, you can probably put it Sharpie that he's going to wind up making the team because I don't think he's going to. So we have so much to know. And as I said, I'm not sure they've even got exactly the, uh, position designations down, and I'm not sure that's going to be as important as it used to be. We may actually see a lot more people who are like Tyrone Crawford was, where sometimes he's a defensive end, sometimes he was a defensive tackle, sometimes he's a five, he might be a three, you know, he might kick out and be a DPR. And there's several players I think they could do some of that with, so it's going to be fun.
1: Well, let's move then a step back uh, on the defensive side of the ball. We'll uh, take a look at the linebacking positions. I, I guess I've come around on it, and I think a lot of it is, you know, the media buzz around it. But some of it is what some of his teammates are saying as well. Micah Parsons appears to be the real deal from a leadership standpoint, appears to be the type of guy that wants to take on that leadership role. And I think if he steps into that early in training camp, he probably does have the inside track to start at the beginning of the season. So I think Micah Parsons is kind of in in the driver's seat right now in control of his own destiny to allow himself to be starting in week one.
0: Yeah, and once again, it kind of depends on how they decide. You were talking about who lines up as the, uh, the guy opposite DeMarcus Lawrence, uh, where you're going to have DeMarcus Lawrence, you're going to have – three interior defensive linemen yep. and another guy who's in kind of the, uh, either the, the outside linebacker or the, uh, uh, designated pass rusher position. Mm-hmm. That's how we could see Micah Parsons get the a start right off the bat is that he's very good in apparently all phases of the game. Uh, he's a linebacker, who's the guy you want making contact with the running back. So maybe he lines up with Jalen Smith and Leighton Vanderess, or with one of those two and Keanu Neal. And then wait a minute, Keanu Neal might line up in that on rush on rushing down. So yeah, was was, pair,
1: that was the first team pairing at uh,
0: OTAs. Yeah. And then, but, you know, and then other times they seem to be running uh, Smith and Van with the ones. Um, so, I am that's going to just have to sort out how they want to do it. And that, that's one where uh, watching who's out there in the 11-on-11s at, at training camp uh, will probably be interesting. And that's why I'm going to try to sidle up to some people that have been out there and done it before. Because I'm not too sure I can figure it all out by myself. So I'm just going to be leaning over their shoulder and taking cribbing off of their notes. So
1: if if I asked you what you were hoping for, what would you say? Because for me, I think my hope is that Micah Parsons fleshes himself out as the number one linebacker of the group and that Leighton Vanderesh finds some consistency. Uh, we, we heard the the quote that he added some body armor this offseason. I assume that I just means strength and that he didn't strap up a bunch of phone books yeah. to his body like Cheeseburger Mike. Cheeseburg Mike. Um, but either way, I think for me, I'm hoping Micah Parsons and Leighton Vander Esch are the one and the two from the linebacker position. And, and really, I'm not looking at starting three linebackers to start the season. I think I'm good with two. I'll take my pass rushers and then I'll get my five. Uh, my five secondary players out there that we'll go over here in a bit.
0: Yeah, I, I don't think I would disagree with that. Oh, I, I, I Oddly, uh, maybe oddly, I'm kind of pulling for Vanderich to turn around and give the team reason to at least consider uh, doing an extension with him uh, since they didn't take his fifth-year option they would have to have an extension which can be then manipulated to take advantage of the increasing cap. So they can, mm-hmm. you know, maybe pay him a little bit more, but, and not that I'm saying it's a good idea to pay off all linebackers, but the Cowboys are going to do that. Whether we want them to or not. So that's just, no, the let's way not get.
1: I'm, I'm not getting too carried away with like dreaming. I mean, if Leighton Van Der Esch plays well, then he earns himself another contract and that's great. Right. That, that, Raising, rising here or somewhere chance. else. Yes, but um I'll just take him settling into a position And, and a type of play that he played a couple years ago that we haven't seen yeah. Since he's really been dinged up uh considerably the last Several seasons.
0: Yeah, and even though I think we're down It's fairly clear. There are five leaders for the linebacker uh, The the four guys we just mentioned and uh, Jabril Cox. Cox is, he was quiet. He looks to be probably number five. Yeah, yeah. they're not going to carry less than five. You know that. Uh, they have to have the linebackers. That whole idea of a designated pass rush because Micah Parsons is a guy that's getting used in that role some, and it would seem that Keanu Neal could do that, well, Jalen Smith could do that Leighton Van So I think there are times that your eyes are telling you that it's three linebackers out there, mm-hmm. but it's really two guys that are playing linebacker. And one of the guys from the linebacker room is lining up as a pass rusher. And how does that affect you? You know, it, it, that's where you are talking about that flexibility. All of a sudden, these position definitions are a lot more fluid than we're used to seeing.
1: Yeah. And again, it's going to be really fun seeing number nine with his hand in the ground. Um, Yeah, that would be fun. Attempting to rush rush the passer. That'll be very interesting to see. So let's move on into the secondary then. Um, One spot I assume is spoken for. And I might say the other is spoken for just based on contract alone, but it's not really a given that Anthony Brown is going to secure that second cornerback spot. I, I obviously think digs, I think you're with me. Digs is locking up one of those spots.
0: Um, so there there, there were, there were three players that I felt like you can call them starters. Yes. Uh, for sure. And that was Lawrence digs. And I believe Donovan Wilson, uh, Although he's probably less firm, but I just really don't see him going anywhere. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, yeah, he'll, I think he'll be your box safety starter. C-
1: consistency with, you know, the playbook, the fact that there's not really any other options that wasn't uh, just brought off the street here and, you know, in the last season or drafted as a potential option. He does seem to have I would say, yes, that I would rank those one, two, three in terms of solidifying their position. So we'll take Donovan Donovan Wilson out of it again. That leaves us the second and third cornerback positions, and that free safety spot is KZ the favorite to win that free safety spot right out of camp.
0: I think he's definitely the desire. I think uh, uh, Dan Quinn really wants him to be a starting free safety, and they don't have they don't have anybody ready yet. Is Reggie
1: Robinson just a forgotten man because he was drafted by the old regime? Like, is there a chance that he doesn't even make this team because the coach that might have valued him is no longer there? And even that coach who valued him didn't see enough value in him to play him more than a couple of snaps in
0: 2020? Uh, well, yeah, he's just a numbers game, but he's definitely going to be fighting uh to to make a roster spot and he shouldn't be overlooked because even if he wasn't getting snaps he was getting exposure he was working with his teammates and with a a new defensive coordinator that may be less important than it could have been still there's there is a natural inclination to prefer the guys that you've already been through a campaign with Um, and so it's it would be interesting you know to see how mike mccarthy's view on him would affect dan quinn because i think quinn's going to be calling the shots on who is in and who is out but the head coach gets to make some input and kind of express some of his preferences. And it's, it's really interesting. Further muddying thing up is that Kelvin Joseph missed 10 days with COVID. You remember that? Whole, he didn't, I don't think he, he didn't have it, but he had to quarantine, which says to me, well, he wasn't vaccinated. And uh, that's back into that thing. Here's a reason why you better get back vaccinated because, okay, maybe he didn't get it. Maybe he'll be fine, but all of a sudden, this other guy named Nation Wright got to take those snaps and shine, and yeah. Wright was one of the standouts. Uh, thank you, because I, when they called his name on draft night, I literally wrote, what in the world are they doing?
1: You and everybody else.
0: Yeah, and now from everything that's happened, people are going, Oh, because he's apparently looked very good out there. Of course, he's—I think six-four. He's a long and athletic corner, who right now I would say is probably Anthony Brown's chief challenger to be the other cornerback opposite of Trayvon Diggs. And then you know you've also got Jordan Lewis is the other the twelfth. Defensive starter is the slot corner. But Anthony Brown could really be in the mix for that uh, if he's not uh, the guy that starts uh, at the regular corner. Because, you know, this is a real flexible thing. And there's people out there that are whispering Maurice Kennedy is still with this team and he sat out with COVID last year and look for him to be making some noise too.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's not that I'm against Maurice Kennedy, but if Maurice Kennedy is making a lot of noise, then that to me makes me nervous about what the rest of the unit is producing. Um, I think as I'm looking at the starters at this point, I would say digs, obviously Wilson, KZ would be the front man to fill out that other safety spot. And then I think it is probably Brown and Lewis for me right now. Now that's not to say that Kelvin Joseph can't, you know, fight his way into the conversation. Right. But even Diggs, uh, you know, wasn't just right from the jump, taking over this spot a season ago. And so I think we need to keep in mind that cornerback as a position, right it does take a little bit more development. And there aren't a ton of guys that come in and light up the league in their rookie season. They just don't because there are things that they have not seen, levels to this league that they have not seen and they have not been exposed to. And offensive coordinators know that. And they go out of their way to target these guys to take advantage of that stuff. And defensive coordinators know that as well. And so they sometimes take a little slower approach to bring these guys along so they don't overexpose themselves. And I think that might be the case of what happens with Kelvin Joseph. Not saying he's not the second best cornerback in the room, but to start the season, I don't think he'll be in that conversation.
0: Yeah, and it's it's also what I think they're gonna to want to do with uh Wright is they're not gonna to want to throw him right into the fire, even if he just shines in training camp. Yeah, uh, I still think if That is one place where I would fall back on a bit of conservatism. And, yeah, Brown's going to be my starter week one. That doesn't mean he's going to be the starter week eight. But let's go out there and and wait, get these rookies a chance to get their feet wet with a few snaps later in the game before we start throwing them out there to start. Uh, Having so many, you know – having eight draftees on the defensive side of the ball also is just a complicated factor because you can't automatically throw any rookie out there. Uh, Michael Parsons is showing every sign of being up to the task. He's the only one of the rookies that I feel confident saying that about right now. Um, And, you know, he may still have some growing pains, but I'm, I'm, feeling really good about his shot but the other guys you've got you've got to look at development and bringing along and where are they at the end of camp versus the start of camp how soon do you want to start putting them out there are you gonna let them get some uh you know get some stripes on their sleeves playing special teams and then start gradually working them in or they maybe going to be looked at more for the second year there's one or two of these guys that may be a uh, you know, a C.J. Goodwin type. They just may be a career special teams resource that only gets used uh, you know, if they have some injuries down the road and just have to start throwing some more people out there on the field. And there's nothing wrong with that. That's a nice career in the NFL. But uh, it's, uh, you know, uh, I, I just looked at this, and it just struck me so much that I could sit down, write down 10 names on offense, with an either-or at tight end and done. That's, and there's no thinking about it. This stuff, you just sit there and you're going, man, if they did this, but they did that, and then this happened on
1: Well, let me just say, the fact that there's so many questions on this side of the ball, though, it does make one aspect of, you know, this buildup to the regular season extremely intriguing to me, and it's not one that I would have paid that much attention to in the past, and that is the preseason games. Oh, yes. Yes. These the and these offensive teams. Right. Even if you have offensive rookies. Right. C.D. Lamb a season ago, they played in the preseason. You know, he probably wouldn't have seen more than a, a series or two to begin with because you can serve those guys. But on the defensive side of the ball, a lot of these kids are going to get two and three quarters worth of run in the preseason. And that is going to be invaluable. Right. That's going to be unbelievable unbelievably um, of of a benefit in terms of a step up from what guys have this season to help them prepare for week one, as opposed to what guys were dealing with the season ago. So, you know, for the first time, maybe I am actually extremely excited about what we are going to learn and, and garner from the preseason.
0: Let me, let me give you a preseason starting lineup. Uh, not necessarily for the Hall of Fame game because that is such a weird thing. They are so cautious about that stuff. But just look at the first real preseason game and imagine that you're, uh, your starting defensive lineup is going to be Bradley and A on one end. Uh, you've got uh, Chonksy Golden lined up on the opposite side. your three guys in the middle. Are going to be Odigazua, uh Quentin Bohanna, and you're probably going to have Tristan Hill out there because you know he's coming off an injury and needs to get some work in. You line up Micah Parsons and uh, Jabril Cox as your two linebackers, and then you're going to roll out. Uh, I, I wouldn't I wouldn't put Casey out there, but you're going to put Kelvin Joseph. Uh, you're going to have uh, Nation Wright lined up out. there there uh maybe gotta get digs work. out there huh you got to get digs out there
1: early i think
0: no you don't want digs out there you're going to protect him he's an established starter i'm talking preseason.
1: oh i know i know yeah. you are i want to see him a little bit i know yeah. and i understand the risk i want to see him a little bit uh because yeah. anthony brown and jordan lewis you know what you got with those guys yeah
0: but you're gonna you're gonna see that's when you'll probably see Reggie Robinson on the field. You're gonna see uh, Israel Mukwamu. Boy, I have trouble pronouncing that. You're gonna see him find out. We're gonna find out how the transition to safety is gonna go for him. Yeah, you could you're gonna you could see a lineup of all these rookies and a few second year guys that didn't get much action or whatever. With uh, Tristan Hill is the only third year guy that you really want to look at. And yet, to me, that's going to be riveting to see if they can put something together and start showing what they've got. So, yeah, preseason this year is a lot more interesting than it has been in a long, long time.
1: And you know, here at Blogging
0: the Boys, we will
1: continue to keep you posted on everything that's going down from – Training camp to the preseason and into the regular season. This will be your one-stop shop. Make sure you check out all the great podcasts here on the blog of the boys podcast network. We of course are riled up my man, Tom Ryle at Tom Ryle, B-T-B and myself, Roy White at rw 3 You can find us both on Twitter and social media. Encourage you to reach out and tell a friend about the podcast, maybe get them involved as well as we get you rolling towards training camp. So July 22nd, training camp officially gets underway. Our man Tom will be out there a little bit later in the month. If you'd like to go say hi to him, make sure you make plans to do so. Otherwise, we will catch you guys next Thursday with another episode of Riled Up, brought to you by bloggingtheboys.com and our friends at SB Nation. See ya!